welcome to another episode of A Novel Evening. I'm Danny. You can find me over on Instagram as Blotted Ink Books. And this week I'm joined by the author of a book that I really, really enjoyed. I read it recently. I picked it up in London along with a couple of other bookstagrammers. Uh, it's a very little book, but it packs a really, really big punch. For anyone who is a fan, of Les Mis. Fanny is a retelling of the story of Fantine from the story of Les Mis, a singer of I Dreamed a Dream, um, and it's a really interesting take on her life. Uh, and the author is Rebecca F. John, and I'm incredibly excited that she's going to be joining me to chat all about her novel, and of course all about her novel, Evening. So a huge hello to Rebecca, hello! Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, no, thank you so, so much for coming on. How are you on this Friday evening? I'm good. I'm, you're going to have to excuse my voice. I'm full of hay fever, but I'm, um, <laughs> I'm good otherwise, yes. So it's lovely. everybody this year. Yeah, it's horrific. So many people seem to be saying it's like the worst year they've ever had. It has been quite bad this year. Although I've had it since I was a child, so I'm, I'm sort of used to it, but it does make me sound a little bit husky <laughs> it's a sexy voice you <laughs> you get to have that kind of the smoky sounding sounding voice yeah if only I could keep it without the sniffling isn't it <laughs> yeah without the snot that would be great <laughs> so obviously you've come on to to come and do your novel evening and firstly I'm going to have to ask you all about your your novel Fanny that has come out uh, and is absolutely wonderful um I picked it up on a bit of a whim <laughs> in London um and I'm not a massive Les Mis fan I have to say I didn't enjoy the musical that much I definitely didn't like the film well I can agree with you on the film but yeah yeah I think for me I've just always found it very long um and a lot of the female characters while they're in the center of it, of things their stories aren't really told it's kind of they circle yeah. around the men a little bit of, of what's going on um and what I love with Fanny is obviously the story of Fantine and it's a completely new side to her have you always been a Les Mis fan um I mean yes of, of the musical really it started with the musical for me I um my parents had the uh, the VHS that's showing my age they had the VHS of um the 10th anniversary edition of of the musical um and we would play that all the time um so I was a big fan of, of the musical and um, I, I went to see it live a number of times. Probably I've probably been about five times to see it wow. on the West End. Wow. And um, of course, I was I was sort of a different age every time I went to see it. So it it sort of meant something different to me every time time I went. And I suppose as I got older and my my feminist sensibilities sort of <laughs> kicked in a little bit more. Um, I started to feel what you're describing really about the female female characters is that they're they're, they're centrally positioned, but but only in relation to the other players really. There's you know they're not telling their own stories. They're um, they're archetypes in in the. I mean especially Fontaine. Fontaine is the the paragon of of motherhood and goodness and um, you know she she's beautiful and she's demure and she's all of these things and and really to my mind you know she's fighting she's fighting so hard for her daughter and her life um but we're not seeing that we're only seeing her in relation to to 
Valjean turning up to to save her and and you know Javert hunting her and the foreman firing her and um I, I just wanted to do something different with it really and place her at the center of her own story and let her tell her own story yeah yeah and the thing is Fanny is a it's a small book it's not a huge book but it really packs a punch and that's the thing Fantine's story is actually so short yeah you know and I really loved without giving any spoilers I loved the ending I loved how you took her and like you say you gave her this fire mm. that was so lacking I think you just see her as this poor fallen fallen girl um and I love the fact that she's she's really bold in this yeah, I mean, I, as, as she would be, you know, she's, as I say, when she's in the musical, she, I, I mean, in the novel, but the musical is sort of more familiar to, to most people, I think, because the novel is just so, so long. Um, <laughs> um, you know, again, it's his story, it's, it's him being her saviour, but that's the one moment of hope that she has in the story. And she would have clung to that so hard, you think. You know, she finally gets her moment of hope and she sort of, instantly dies um which was such an unfortunate way to end that story so I wanted to um to just delve into that a little bit give her some of her hope back really and let her let her experience that hope for a little while you know um so yeah and I, I wanted to think about how she would have survived you know prior to her story in Les Miserables as it exists she's been a single mother for a long time and she would have had to do all sorts of things, I imagine, to survive that, that you know, that kind of life and to, to keep supporting her daughter. So she must have, to my mind, she must have been full of fire. And I just wanted to, to show that, really. Oh, I love that. I really love that. And I love the fact as well that the men really play very, very small roles in her story through this. They're often nameless and almost faceless, really. And it really is about the women around her how did you kind of when you were imagining the story was that kind of always the premise that it was going to be you know female characters brought into it that don't feature originally yeah um i mean i basically stripped the men out of the story as much as i possibly could the foreman features a little in that he has to be there to fire her to to dismiss her from her role so that that sort of part of the narrative begins um and then the only other men we see really are the letter writer who helps her write to her daughter and um the sailors who arrive obviously to to take take advantage of the desperation of the the women but yeah that that was the premise was to strip the men out of the story and and explore what was there otherwise so the the prostitutes take on a much bigger role probably um mm -hmm. but everybody is nameless except in Fanny, as as Fontaine became in my story, um, the the prostitutes I've named for for archetypes. You yeah. know, they're called the rebel, the you know, the mother. Um, so it, it was my way of exploring that really those ideas that that proliferate around women and what they should be and what they can be. Um, so rather than than focusing on Fontaine as the mother. I have this other character, Mother, who's, who's the madam, who um, is, is sort of a grotesque, really. She's, you know, she's too big and she's too ugly and she's too colourful and she's too bold. But she's one of the most maternal characters in the book. Um, so I, I wanted to play with that idea around motherhood and what it's supposed to be, I think. 
that's so interesting I know with you know the stories of madams and it's quite often that they're seen as these kind of heartless crones that run these you know run these bordellos and these brothels and and actually I I think there's something to say for the women who did take in and they were running businesses that's the thing as well they still had to keep a roof over their head and earn money and be kind of ruthless to survive but they were taking in women who had nothing yeah, and that's the, the dynamic I wanted to explore, really, is that, um, you know, it's not a spoiler to say it. Everybody knows it from the musical, but um, Fontaine sells her her teeth and her hair. And um, so in my, my version, I have Mother sort of pulling her teeth out and cutting her hair off. And um, it, it seems ruthless, but actually she is, she's doing it for Fon- Fanny, as well as for herself. Like you say, she's got to run a business. She's as desperate as the next woman. Um, but there's a point in, in the novel as well where she's providing food for the for the other women and she's putting a roof over their head. And, you know, she doesn't need to do that. She's doing that because she wants to look after them as well. So it's really interesting. And I thought it was really interesting that in the in the musical and when she's losing her, you know, she gives up her teeth and gives up her hair it's portrayed as this this horrific you know it's removing her femininity it's it's horrific whereas in this it feels quite strong she's almost like this means nothing to me mm. and I loved that yeah well I mean I sort of I have her sort of shouting at that point rather than being sort of whimpering and and um and passive I have her shouting and saying you know do it do it take them because you know what does it matter to her it doesn't matter to her she when she needs to feed her daughter so her hair will grow back you know obviously her teeth won't won't grow back but um you know she, she's got those things to give she, she feels like she doesn't need them in comparison to what she she does need which is obviously to provide for her child so yeah I feel like whenever you see it portrayed you know in, in other mediums you always see her kind of the hair's falling and she's weeping and clutching the hair or whereas in this I think it felt less desperate and just more you know I'll give what I have to give yeah yeah and that's, I wanted it to be more of a choice really um because mother tells her she can do it but she almost gives her an out as well and says well you don't need to do it yet um but Fanny responds with well I'm going to do it now let's do it now so you know she's taking control of the situation a little bit more hopefully it's fantastic I I really loved it it's so beautifully written and I have to ask you what are you working on next what is what is to come next from you oh so um well I've got a children's book my first children's book will be published in September so that's a, a middle grade novel, and that's a that's a fantasy, um, which is um, well, I, I won't go into the storyline, but it's, it's sort of about encouraging people to 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 live within the natural world more, and mm-hmm. to to sort of question the, the systems around them. Really, um, that's the hope of that. But it's a, it's an adventure story, you know. It's a fantasy. Um, with these three children at the centre of it who are named after my dogs. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> um, and then um, I haven't had confirmation of this one, but hopefully next year I'll be publishing a novel I wrote during the first lockdown, actually. Wow. Um, about a woman I'm, I'm so in love with. Um, she's a Victorian Welsh strong woman. She was... Um, uh, her name was Kate Williams. She was the daughter of a Baptist minister. 
and she ran away from small town Wales um, in the late 1800s and became a world famous strong woman. Um, and somehow she's sort of fallen out of history a little bit. Um, and I discovered her when I was doing some other research. So I've, I've written a fictionalized version of her life, um, which is absolutely fascinating. She lived a wild, wild life. Her stage name was Vulcana. That's so cool. <laughs> She's just fantastic. Um, I love her. So hopefully that will publish next year. Um, and then I'm working on a story about um, a mining village. So that, that's what I'm writing at the moment. The other two are kind of written and edited, but um, the next story is a ghost story set in a, in a mining village. So it's all quite different, actually. Yeah, I mean, really, really different. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. And I'm going to absolutely have to do some some Googling of Kate Williams because she sounds amazing. She's amazing. I um, yeah, I happened across this blog, um, which her great granddaughter had written. Um, and so I, I was in contact with with her, with her great granddaughter, Jane, and she's given me photos and decades of research and things. And um, yeah, look her up because she's amazing. That's so cool. And it's such a shame when characters like that fall through the, you know, through the cracks and get forgotten. But I love that you've discovered her and are going to, you know, bring her back into the spotlight. Yeah, I mean, well, hopefully I'm, I, I'll do everything in my power. But yeah, she she was amazing. She, she campaigned against, um, you know, corsetry and um, there are newspaper and magazine articles with her just encouraging women to exercise and be strong in their bodies you know um which at a time when it was the opposite women weren't meant to be strong they were meant to be dainty delicate flowers exactly there's a there, and there's a photo of her as well lifting um lifting a man up over her head it's just amazing amazing oh my god that's so cool that's so so cool so i'm now thinking about your novel evening right and I'm not sure what we're going to expect, but I'm thinking there might be some historical figures potentially. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. I'll I'll take that as I've really struggled to guess recently, so I'm going to take that as a win. So, firstly, where are we going to go for your evening? Right. So, I was thinking about this. I'm not an indoor person. I'm a very outdoor person. So, I wanted to go outside somewhere. Okay. <laughs> And I was thinking about the things that I, the things that I crave really are the sea. I grew up by the sea and I write about the sea and about water all of the time. Um, it, it's, it's endlessly fascinating to me, um, the sort of ideas around it and just the experience of being on the coast and, and just, just all of it, the myths around it. So I wanted to be on an island. Okay. <laughs> on an island. And also the other thing that I love is the cold and the snow. I um I worked as a ski instructor for a bit for a while. Um and so where I would like to, to go is <laughs> is Svalbard, which is um like an archipelago <laughs> right up north. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The other reason why that would be the place I would go is because um, when I was about 10 years old, I read um, a book called Northern Lights, which everybody yeah, knows yeah. now by Philip Pullman. And that was the book I read, which sort of made me 
decide I would be a writer, really. I, I read that book and I was so in love with the protagonist and the adventure and the, the setup of that whole world. And I, I was just a very practical child. So I obviously, instead of thinking about what kind of adventures I could go on, I thought, well, what kind of books can I write to, <laughs> to, to relive that kind of adventure, you know? And obviously, if you've read the book, you know that Svalbard features in it. Um, and of course, you can see the Northern Lights from Svalbard, which is my, my ultimate dream to see the Northern Lights off the back of that book, really. Oh, uh, I've seen them one time. I flew above them. Ah. It's very surreal. Um, I was quite young when I saw them. I would definitely like to see them from the, the proper angle. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. I'm so jealous. Um, but yeah, if I could be if I could be anywhere in the world to sit and absorb you know books and writing and people I think that would be it can we have some warm clothes I'm assuming we're gonna be kitted out you can have a fire you know I want <laughs> to actually freeze to death for the full ambiance <laughs> <laughs> but um I, I just love the cold weather we went um to Finland a couple of years ago actually and did a little bit of hiking and oh, wow. that was the only time I've gone north and um I can't wait to go back it was amazing Oh my goodness. I lived in Canada for a year and I experienced their winter. I'm not a fan of the cold, um, but for you, I would suffer for this evening. I'll have lots of hot water bottles nestled within my massive puffer jacket. Uh, <laughs> I would do it. I think it's a different cold as well, though, in places like that. It's not like here when it's damp. I was about to say, um, when we were in Finland, it didn't, I think it was minus 20 or something at some point, but you didn't feel it in the same way that you do here as long as you know as long as you've got good clothes on it felt fine and we were hiking obviously so it's quite uh, you know we, we were staying warm but um yeah you don't feel it in the same way I always found that when I was skiing as well you don't feel the cold in the same way and we can have some hot toddies and things to keep us keep us warm absolutely that's important hot okay hot, chocolate. <laughs> hot chocolates yeah I'm down with this so <laughs> who's the first person who's going to arrive for this northern lights viewing Okay, um, how many how many people am I allowed, first of all? This is very important. However many you like. How many seats are there around the fire? So, um, my, my first invitee would be Maggie O'Farrell, because I want to be Maggie O'Farrell. I've always said this, that I want to be Maggie O'Farrell when I grow up. <laughs> um, she's... She's the writer that I want to be, really. She's, I think she's incredible. She's such a lyrical, and she's not afraid to be lyrical, firstly, which I think is just wonderful. So I think a lot of writers have that sort of lyricism beaten out of them somehow. Um, uh, so she's not afraid of that. She's not afraid to tell a slow, sensitive story. You know, she doesn't, she doesn't chase plot um, in a way that that detracts from from the humanity of her stories i think and i just i just revel in her writing i love it um and i would very much like to sit around a fire and listen to her tell me about all things writing and how she experiences that writing um i've listened to her speak once or twice and she's a very generous speaker as well so I feel like she'd she'd spill all her secrets around the fire. <laughs> oh, I like that. I mean, I've I've read Hamnet that I thought was just stunning. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. It was unlike anything I'd ever read. Um, so I think she would be a really interesting choice. Yeah, she's 
yeah, I, I, I just think she's phenomenal. And um, I think probably the one that sticks for me is the vanishing act of Esme Lennox. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've read that one, but, um, you know, again, it, it's that kind of story of, of, of women and what can happen to women, really, um, which is just, yeah, it, it really sticks with me, that one. I love that. Okay, so Maggie's arrived. She's all all gussied up in her warm furs, so she's ready to uh, ready to come and sit with us. Who's next? Who's going to come next to the fire? So, my next it would be Sarah Waters for me. Again, it's it's just I just want to know how they do what they do. I think that's that's the question. How do you do what you do? How do you inhabit these people and these stories in the way that you do? You know. Um, if there are two novels of hers which I I would love to pick her brains about endlessly which are um The Little Stranger and The Night Watch and The Night Watch is one of those that when I've done bits of teaching and things it's one I come back to all the time because The Night Watch is the the story is told backwards so we know the end of the story Mm. from the first chapter of the book and yet (laughs) <laughs> that novel has as much tension and as much drive and as much discovery as any other novel and how anybody could have plotted that out and made that so it's just I've got so much admiration for her just for that novel alone let alone all the others but um yeah just can you imagine those two in conversation oh. <laughs> getting, getting to listen to them talk together would just be incredible yeah absolutely amazing oh my goodness okay good good choices so far uh and I feel like I'm willing to bear the cold for this <laughs> for this gathering I'll stick it out Have, who else is coming okay um not a writer mm. Elizabeth the first would be my next choice <laughs> yeah why not I'm fascinated by Elizabeth the first I mean who knows how much of what sits around her is total invention and you know we don't know do we but she's she's just a really strong historical figure isn't she you know she didn't marry she ruled the country for such a long time she was was a pop as far as we know she was a popular monarch um and you know we we have these these sort of snippets of her don't we and the um the speech she supposedly gave at Tilbury Dock, you know, and just, what does she say? I, I may have the the body of a weak and feeble woman, yes. but I have the heart of a king and a king of England too. I think it, I probably misquoting that slightly, but um, just those lines alone are enough to have her come and sit around. Yeah, and- I'm a, I'm a big fan of her mother. Uh, I have a bit of an Anne Boleyn obsession um and to get to meet her daughter who again i'm also i adore and for her to be a popular female monarch in england of all places you know and her sister didn't do a great job (laughs) you know poor poor mary uh didn't do wonderfully and i think she i would love to just like you say find out what was true Mm, yeah exactly that find out what was true i think and it's like you say it's what she what she came from as well you know her mother was a deeply unpopular figure we we can assume um also we're sort of told um her sister had preceded her and had done a a fairly terrible job she had this awful relationship with with her cousin and didn't she marry um 
Yeah, Queen of Scots. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I think for her to have gained any sort of popularity was it, the odds were so stacked against her. Um, and you know how how did she keep that court under control? You know the sexual politics of it of are always in conversation, aren't they? But there's got to be more to it than that. And um, she's just a figure that's always held a lot of fascination for me. And she shares my birthday. <laughs> oh, oh, I like that. Oh, yeah. I think she would. I can imagine her with this group of women. I think it would be fascinating. Mm. Oh, I like this. Okay, that's an excellent choice. Okay, is there room for a couple more? I mean, my, 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 I would love to have Vulcana there, the woman I was just talking yeah. about. Yeah. You would be around my fire, absolutely. Um, just, you know, talking about all those things she was campaigning for and what she stood for and how she put herself out there. It's just, I mean, these, these are all strong women in history, aren't they? As, I suppose that's the theme. Um, I think her and Elizabeth would get on very well. Yeah, wouldn't that be fireworks? I think <laughs> it um, would. And then probably if I could have, if I could throw two more writers in the mix, it yeah, would be do it. Kieran Millwood Hargrave and Elizabeth McNeil for some. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was lucky enough to I recorded with um with Karan last night um which was just amazing um her writing is it just blows my mind how she can write so many different subjects for different ages and yeah. wild um and Elizabeth I'm recording with later this month um oh. and her writing again is just beautiful yeah I think that's what those four writers that I've mentioned, I think they all they all hold that real beauty in their writing, don't they? You know, they don't they don't strip it back to to the bare sort of bones of plot and things. And and there's place for that. But I really like to to sit in the language and, and just, you know, linger there. And that's what they all allow me to do. And the world building is just incredible. You know, you never doubt the worlds that those women throw you into ever. Yeah, you never question them at all. I, have you read The Dance Tree? Not yet. Not oh, yet. you are in for, I think out of all of her books that I have read so far, it's stunning. Like it's it's just, it's almost claustrophobic. The way she writes this world is so like hot. I said that to her, I was like, I remember reading it feeling like physically a bit sweaty. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it's so claustrophobic. But and also, can you imagine all these women just talking yeah I know and actually well the dance tree I have to read yes obviously Maggie's new book will be out yes. soon so there's a lot there's you know there's lots to be excited about there um but the mercies um <coughs> you know you're saying about feeling hot when you're reading the dance tree the mercies does the opposite thing doesn't it it makes you it makes you actually feel the cold um so yeah I mean I loved that that was one of my absolute favorites so I can't wait for the dance treat and I can't wait for the marriage portrait <laughs> so so many good books so many good yeah. books and it's so lovely to see so many amazing female writers just doing incredibly yeah 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 it's wonderful but I is that it for your evening is that all of your guests uh yes I think so. I mean I could yeah <laughs> yes rein me in there that would be and is there anybody that you really wouldn't want to show up to your party? <laughs> um, 
uh, I don't know that I can say an individual or any or even a group of individuals. Do you know, I'm tempted to say <laughs> people who, when you tell them you're a writer, ask you if you're going to be the next J.K. Rowling. <laughs> there are other writers. <laughs> the women writers especially yeah but um, yeah. No, actually do you know who it is it is a group of people much in that vein is people who when they realize that you're a writer ask you what your real job is or uh, you know <laughs> it's, it's that well yeah but mm, what's your real job anybody who falls into that category is not welcome at especially mine. with this group of women can you imagine asking yeah. them what your real job is yeah a group of, because you know it's an attitude i'm talking about really isn't it it's an attitude of people who dismiss story and you know i i just think there's so much value and worth in stories it's i mean you said you could talk endlessly about what you gain from story couldn't you and i mean it's not just the history you know the 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 lessons of the past but it's seeing yourself reflected in the world and working out what your feelings about the world are and just there's just so many elements to storytelling and 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 the experience of listening to story that I can't understand the people who who kind of dismiss it and there are a group of people who dismiss yeah. it absolutely um and that that bothers me I think because there's just so much to learn and I don't understand how people wouldn't see that I suppose as someone who is aspiring to write um and would love to be able to write I think you only appreciate how hard it is to firstly start writing and be able to put yourself out there in that form but then also to have to you know strip bits away and rewrite and edit and for anyone who thinks writing is just something somebody does you know it's a bit of fun on a sideline but then can magically get published it's wild. I think it, it is a tough business and it's a tough thing to do in terms of just the, the the sheer amount of hours that you spend doing it. It's like what you're describing, isn't it? It's you write and then you rewrite and you rewrite and you rewrite. And if you can get to a point where it sounds on the page as though it's just flowed, flowed out. <laughs> Naturally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And you've done something right but I don't believe that it ever just flows out like that for anybody um so it's a lot of graft in that sense but also I think you know you you said then I'm, I'm aspiring to write well then you are a writer you know if you you are writing so you're a writer I think and that's owning that sort of status is quite tough I I found that very difficult because because I'm a working class girl. And if you say to people, oh, I want to be a writer, they laugh in your face. They really do laugh in your face. It's not, it's not an oversensitive reaction. It, it's, you know, they do. Uh, that's not for the likes of you, is the attitude. Yeah. If I had um, told my parents when I was younger, you know, God bless them, they're, they're very supportive. Yeah. But the idea growing up was always you need to get a, a good job, a proper a job. A real job, yeah. yeah. You gotta make sure you're getting paid a regular wage because in that is safety. And if you're a writer or anything in creative arts, you know, acting, anything that's working in a creative field, by a lot of people is seen as well, you know, it's a bit dodgy, you might not make enough money out of it, you know. I mean, as as parents, I can see it's it's safety, that's the word you use then, isn't it? And 
and that's what they want is they want safety for you and so I understand the reaction um but for me it meant that I was sort of secretly doing this thing and I I couldn't admit to it I was I was I was ski instructing or I was doing admin or I was and I would I'd say anything to avoid saying that I was writing because I couldn't I, I just couldn't take ownership of it um and you know that's fine if that's what people want to do if people want to write for themselves and never put it out into the world that's absolutely fine a lot of people want to do that but that wasn't what I wanted so there was always that that tension and that struggle between sort of secretly tapping away and wanting to put all that stuff out into the world but not having the confidence to do it and not knowing how to go about mm -hmm. doing it as well so but um yeah the, the first thing was was saying I'm a writer and I still struggle to say that to people uh, and I still try to avoid it but um it's you know take ownership of it isn't it yeah there's this crazy idea that to be a writer you have to have, I don't know, there's almost like these goals. You're only a writer if you've got an agent. You're only a writer if you're published. You're only a writer if you've sold so many. And that's not, you know, writing begins, I'm supposed to so many people. I used to write when I was really little. I loved making up stories. I think if you're a writer, you are a writer in your soul. That's what you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's, for me, there's nothing more exciting than sitting at a computer screen alone. Sorry, into I'm crying because your little dog has just appeared over your shoulder. So oh, yeah. there's, two, there's two of them down there somewhere. They're, look, they're looking a bit miff. They're like, <laughs> he's waiting for his dinner, that one. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, there's, there's nothing more exciting than sitting in total silence on my own for hours, making things up. And I think if you feel like that, that that's you know you can't you can't fight that kind of inclination you just have to go with it and and own it like I say absolutely absolutely and you know having read having read your beautiful book you are absolutely a writer it was it was stunning um and I think you would fit in very nicely with your circle of guests that you're going to have watching the northern lights next to the fire it's a it's a stunning evening and thank you very much for sharing it with me Oh, well, thank you for asking. I'm going to be dreaming about that evening tonight. Oh, I, don't. I wish all of these could be real. I know. <laughs> it's very frustrating. Oh, yeah. uh, but yours is more attainable than most. I mean, not the dead people, but <laughs> it's more doable than maybe, maybe not, you know, way up north, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a good cross section of living, working writers there. We can definitely is. tackle people down. <laughs> There is. I love it. Now, before I let you go and enjoy the rest of your Friday evening and feed your dogs, um, <laughs> I have to ask, are you reading anything at the moment? Usually many things at the same time. Um, I, yeah, I had a baby six weeks ago. So reading. Wow, congratulations. How are you reading <laughs> or writing or doing yeah. anything? Yeah, I know. Reading time has been severely depleted recently. Um, <laughs> And I, madly, first baby, madly, I thought, oh, you know, he'll sleep and he'll feed and I'll read and I'll read and I'll read. <laughs> it hasn't quite been like that. But um, but he's very good. So I have had some reading time, actually. And I'm reading a little bit late. Um, the proof of Elodie Harper's second book in the, the Wolf Den trilogy, the, the House of the Golden Door. So good. Um, so I, I was very lucky to have a proof of the wolf den um and also to have a proof of this one 
and um yeah it kind of coincided with me being very heavily pregnant and then going into hospital and all of that stuff so I'm only just getting to it but um yeah I love LEDs writing and I mean I specifically did not choose people that I know for my dinner party <laughs> I know LED so um yeah I, I didn't want to go down that route <laughs> people you really know I her books are amazing her writing is just she's an amazing writer and the wolf I just I just inhaled the wolf den and so I'm just opening up this one now and I'm really excited about this one yeah oh it's so good I have read it um again I read it really quickly I loved the wolf den um as soon as my pre-order came I was straight on it and you won't be disappointed at all so good well and talking about having writing on the page that feels like it just flowed out you know that that's what LED does really really well I think though they're quite chunky books the wolf den mm. and uh, the house Gordon, and that usually would put me off but um you you fly through these ones because it just feels completely natural on the page that's the sign I think for me if I get a chunky book and it just feels really easy to read I just get lost in it and I just read I don't feel like I have to keep putting it down and picking it up and you can just get lost in it especially if you've got a baby and you can get lost in a book that's a, that's yeah. a massive sign yeah absolutely so yeah so that one's top of the list and I'm just just opening it up I'm, I'm a couple of pages in so. oh well enjoy it's it's superb and thank you again for uh, for coming to join me it's been it's been a pleasure oh thank you ever so much for having me thank you Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.